It is good to see all of you out tonight. We are glad that you are here with us. Our lesson for tonight continues our series on Bible basics. And tonight we're talking uh, specifically about the theme of the Bible. This is something we touched on a little bit last week, but we didn't spend a lot of time on it. And so we're going to look at the theme and how we can apply it to the Scriptures In addition to the theme, last week we also talked about the basic divisions of the Bible, the dispensations, the difference between the Old and the New Testaments, and we talked a little bit about the division of the chapters and verses and how those things were added later on. This lesson is is going to take a a more in-depth look at the theme of the entire Bible, the theme being twofold. The first phase of the theme, I guess you could say, would be the glorification of God. And the second basic theme is the revealing to us of Jesus Christ. As you go from Genesis all the way to Revelation, Old, New Testaments, the different dispensations, no matter how you divide the Bible, the theme is always the same. And it's always twofold, and it always centers around these two ideas. And there may be other themes that you could think of on your own, uh, but these are the, the two basic themes that we'll recognize at least tonight. We begin with the glorification of God. As we study Scripture, as we look at the Bible, we recognize that everything in regards to the Scriptures is centered around glorifying God. And as we study the Bible, and as we put it into practice, as we we apply it to our lives, we too are glorifying God. There are two major ways that we're going to look at tonight in which we glorify God. First of all, we understand that God is glorified through our obedience to His truth. Through our obedience to His truth. Turn with me to to Ephesians chapter 1. Let's begin reading at verse 7. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of of sins, according to the riches of His grace, which He made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, in Him. In Him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, that He who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, 
having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. We have twice in this passage to the praise of his glory. God is glorified when we recognize his word as truth and to do what he has commanded us to do. When we recognize his word as the truth that he has given to us, when we are doing his will, we bring glory and honor to him. And this begins with our obedience to the gospel. As we look at our obedience to the gospel, we find that we are glorifying God. In Acts chapter 2, verses 37 and 38, Peter told the Jews what they needed to do in order to be saved. In Acts 2, verse 37, they had heard his sermon. And it says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The command, even, that was given by Peter is a recognition by the apostles of the words of Christ being true. So as we look at this command to obey the gospel, as as Peter is telling the Jews what they need to do to repent and be baptized for the remission of their sins, as they obey this command, they will glorify God. But Peter and the other apostles that were present, they, in teaching this command, to repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. As they teach this command, they are glorifying God by recognizing His truth, His Word as being truth. We look at the commission that was given to them. Matthew 28 and beginning with verse 19, Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Similar to this is what is, is brought to us in Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16, when he told them to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. The disciples are honoring this command. They are recognizing the words of Jesus as truth, and they are obeying those words. It is also a recognition of Christ's authority. When we look at verse 18 of Matthew 28, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven 
and on earth. And they are recognizing His authority. And by obeying, they are glorifying God. Now coming back to our obedience to the plan of salvation. When we repent and are baptized for the remission of sins, we honor and glorify God and the truth of His Word. As did many before us. As did the Jews in Acts chapter 2, verses 41 and 42. Following uh, the command that Jesus or that Peter gave to the people uh, about what they needed to do to be saved, we find in verse 41, Then those who gladly received His word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. They obeyed. And in obedience they glorified God. As did the Samaritans in Acts chapter 8, beginning with verse 5, Acts 8. In verse 5, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preach, preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. In verse 12, When they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. They obeyed. And in their obedience they glorified God. As did the eunuch. In Acts chapter 8. Beginning with verse 36. Now as they went down the road they came to some water. And the eunuch said see here is water what hinders me from being baptized. Then Philip said. If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. As the eunuch obeyed the gospel, he accepted the truth of God's word, and he glorified God in his obedience. As did Lydia and the jailer in Acts chapter 16. As did those of Thessalonica and likely Jason's household in Acts 17. As did the Corinthians of Acts 18 and the men at Ephesus in Acts 19. All of these glorified God through their obedience to the truth of God's Word. And so do we, when we are obedient to His will. When we obey the Gospel, when we make that decision to turn away from our sins, to repent, to confess our faith in Christ, to be baptized for the remission of sins, just as these did in the New Testament, we also are accepting God's Word as true. And in accepting God's word as true, we glorify Him in our obedience.
But it goes on further than that. Not just uh, to the point of our baptism, but beyond our baptism. You see, God is glorified in our obedience to His commands also. Such as those in regard to worship. Colossians 3, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. When we sing in the way that we are commanded, when we use our voices, when we we lift them up, we are honoring God's commands. We are glorifying Him in our obedience. In 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23-26, through 26, here we're given a description of the Lord's Supper and how we are to partake of it. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which He was betrayed took bread. And when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, Take eat, this is My body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. In the same manner, He also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in My blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of Me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till He comes. We follow the example of the early Christians. Acts chapter 20 and verse 7. Now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. They were meeting upon the first day of the week. They were meeting for the purpose of breaking bread together, partaking of the Lord's Supper. Paul spoke his message. A preacher's joke is that some people think that he began his lesson at 11.30. But we understand that that Paul preached a message that was important to the disciples in their gathering together on the first day of the week. And so is our giving. So is our praying. As we continue in the Apostles' Doctrine, we are glorifying God. And though we do not follow the, the commands of the Old Testament, we do not observe them as they did in the Old Testament times. Even those of the Old Testament glorified God in their obedience to His will. For example, the faithfulness of men such as Noah and Abraham. Noah was told to build an ark and he did. And he and his household were saved. They were obedient. He glorified God's commands to him as truth. And Abraham was told to depart from his country and he did. He was also told later to sacrifice his own son and he was ready to do so. He took God's words to be truth and he glorified him 
in His obedience. Moses leading God's people out of bondage. He glorified God. He was obedient to His Word. And Israel's recognition of the laws of God in regard to their own worship. The animal sacrifices, honoring of the Sabbath, the keeping of the Ten Commandments. When they did those things, they accepted God's Word as true. And though we do not follow those specific commands today in regard to our own worship, we follow the authority of the New Testament, the authority of God. But we recognize that even going back to the Old Testament, we see that these men and women, they glorified God in their obedience. And so we have that theme going from Genesis to Revelation throughout the entirety of the Bible that when people accept God's Word as truth, when they obey Him, they are glorifying Him. And we see that through His Word, He is glorified. But again, this theme is twofold. So let's turn our attention to the second fold of this theme. Another thing that we find throughout the, the Bible is the revelation of Christ to God's people. Even going back to the Old Testament, we find prophecies and promises that are made in regard to Christ. Let's go back to the garden. Genesis chapter 3. Let's begin reading at verse 6. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6. Satan has come in the form of a serpent and he has talked to woman. He has talked to Eve. And he's tried to tell her that the tree that they have been commanded not to eat from is okay. And in verse 6, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit. And ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. They transgressed the command of God. They knew. They knew, and Eve professed that to the serpent. She told him, We've been commanded not to eat of this tree. And they did so. In transgressing God's command, God doled out punishment to each of those involved, including the serpent. And in verse 14 of Genesis chapter 3, it says, So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle, and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. The seed of woman, spoken of here, is Christ. He was to be the enmity between the serpent and the woman, and between his seed and hers. Christ in his coming would bruise the head of Satan, 
And Satan would bruise his heel. The imagery is based on Satan in the form of the serpent, but the meaning is for him as well. There would constantly be a struggle between good and evil. And we see that struggle today. And primarily between Christ and Satan. Those who follow Christ and those who would follow evil. But through Christ we may be saved from the powers of darkness. Through His blood we have salvation that is offered to us. From prophecy. Namely a couple that I wanted to bring out from the book of Isaiah. From prophecy we read of Christ. We read of His birth. Isaiah 9 verses 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment, and justice from that time forward even forever the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this we see prophecy that tells of the birth of Christ the woman we have the promise of his suffering Isaiah chapter 53 and beginning with verse 4 Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon Him. And by His stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. As we look at these precious promises of Christ, we see that they are fulfilled. That Jesus did in fact come to earth. He was born of a virgin just as it had been promised. He lived. He did much good in his lifetime. And he did even greater good when he died on the cross for our sins. These promises have been fulfilled. And we recognize Christ, not just in the New Testament, but also in the Old. As we look at the entirety of the Scriptures, we understand that the New Testament brings life to the promises made centuries before. And that again, Jesus did come to earth. He suffered many things in life. He suffered mockery and rejection. But his greatest suffering was on the cross where he died for our sins. According to promise, he was raised from the dead 
victorious over the powers of evil. And now, He promises to return to receive us unto Himself. In John 14, beginning with verse 1, He says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to Myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Where I go you know, and the way you know. Jesus said this as, as words to prepare His disciples for His departure. But these words are just as important to us as we know that Jesus, even in His ascension, He is coming back. He is going to return. He has made this promise and He will keep it. He has gone to prepare a place for each of us, that heavenly home with God, an eternal home of which we can barely imagine its splendor. We know that Jesus is the way for us to reach heaven. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Verse 6 of John 14. And if we are to be with Him, then we must go through Him. We must be in Christ. We must obey the Gospel. We must be obedient to the commands of the Bible. We must remain faithful to the end. But as we look at this lesson, I hope that you see the theme of the Bible. And we see, again, these two things. The glorification of God. From beginning to end, we see that God is glorified in our obedience. We see the, the promises of Christ. We see everything that prepares us, not just for His coming, that, that it prepared God's people for His death on the cross. That prepares us for His return, for each of His own, for us. The question is, are you ready? Are you ready for Christ's return? Have you obeyed the gospel? Are you obedient today? Are you a faithful child of God? Those outside of Christ will not inherit that eternal home. So we must make sure that we are in Christ. But if you stand outside of Christ today, if you are in need of responding to the Lord's invitation, if there is any way that we can help you, then we give you the opportunity to respond. As together we stand. As we stand. Oh, to Jesus.